Hey Austin, it's Chris Lloyd. I got your message about the Top 10 of the Year podcast. My number one was The Card Counter. Hope that helps you. Thanks. Hi Austin. Hi Medium Cool listeners. This is JB from F This Movie. And I'm here to tell you that my favorite movie of 2021 was Pig. The amazing Nicolas Cage vehicle. It's my favorite movie of the year. It's my favorite breakfast sausage. And I think my favorite line in the entire film is when Nicolas Cage looks down and says, that'll do, pig. Happy New Year, Austin. Happy New Year. Boy, oh boy, starting off the episode hot with a few voicemails from some of the show's friends, Christopher Lloyd and JB. We'll have another coming up here in a moment. Talking about their top 10 or their top number one of 2021. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, welcome to Medium Cool. I'm starting this off differently. It's weird. I don't know what to do. My name's Austin Glidden, and if you want to keep in touch with us, you can reach us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Medium Cool Pod. That's facebook.com backslash Medium Cool Pod. You can search Medium Cool Pod and we'll pop up on Instagram and at Medium Cool Pod on Twitter. You can also email us at mediumcoolpod at gmail.com. You can find me, Austin Glidden, on Twitter at Austin Glidden or Instagram. Just search Austin Glidden and I'll pop up. Same with Letterboxd. You can find, uh, you know, my Letterboxd and keep up with all the things I'm watching and, you know, all kinds of fun stuff like that. Uh, if you feel so inclined, please leave us a rating or a review. Anything you can do uh, will definitely help out this uh, this podcast. Guys, I am so excited about this. I have been just absolutely kind of like out of my mind about wanting to do this top 10 list. I have been cramming so many movies, so many more than I've been talking about on the show. Um, I think I may have actually watched more than Joe, which makes me happy. I'm not exactly sure. We're definitely kind of neck and neck. Um, he saw fewer than he usually does. Technically I saw as much, if not more than I did last year. So I guess that's better, but, <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, it was a fairly slow year, but I, I, I pretty much caught all the, the bangers. I talk about a few whenever uh, we talk about our top 10, I talk about a few that I missed. Um, but, um, when I say we, uh, for this conversation, I'm talking about Joe Shearer. Uh, you know, he is with the Indiana Film Journalist Association. He's writing for different publications like Midwest Film Journal. And uh, he is an awesome dude, obviously always on here, uh, you know, a regular, really. And so everyone should be acquainted with him. Also, last year when we did our top 10 of 2021 or 2020, uh, we had Matthew Sosian. He also did some of the Ingmar, or he did the, all of the Ingmar Bergman marathon episodes, the proper Bergman cinema episodes. So uh, he's going to be on here again. Hopefully, this will be a tra uh, tradition that we continue. But uh, yeah, so Joe, Matthew, and I are going to be doing our top ten. I don't want to push this back any further than we need to. I will just say this: the first episode is part one, so we're going to be talking about our six through ten. And uh, the, the format of the show is, uh, you know, and I, I might talk about this a little bit more here in a moment as well, but, you know, to sum it up here, um, say that I put, uh, I'm just going to put a movie I don't like here, say that my number 10 is Dear Evan Hansen, which is just not ever going to happen, but hypothetically, say it's my number 10. If it was Matthew Sosie's number five and Joe's number one, because of course Joe would love that. Then uh, we they would say like, hey, it's higher on mine, and then we'll just skip it. 
and we'll wait until we get there because last year we had like five and a half hours or something uh, for our 10 movies, which of course, you know, ends up being closer to, you know, between 20 and 30 movies, uh, depending on overlaps. So it's just a lot of movies to talk about. So I was trying to find ways to cut it down. We actually did cut it down. It is a little, uh, you know, imbalanced. So this episode will be a little bit shorter, but next episode we'll be making up for that. We'll be giving you almost twice as much, uh, if not twice as much as this episode. So, um, yeah, so this is uh, this this would be a fun thing. This one, uh, you know, be about an hour, break an hour, a little more. And uh, next week's will be closer to two hours as we talk about our one through five. And we get into it and we we just love it. Uh, it's such a great time. I hope you guys enjoy this. And also, it's really important to all of us, not just me, but I know that Joe and Matt, you know, Matthew are, are kind of in the same boat. It, if you have a, a notebook or you open up a note in your phone or whatever, just like write down some of these movies if you haven't seen them. Because all of the movies that are on all of our lists, I mean, these are movies that we strongly encourage you to check out. And if you didn't see any, like if there are any of these you did not see, I would strongly encourage you to go check them out. So all that said, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, move on to the beginning of our top 10 of 2021. This is our 6 through 10. I hope you guys enjoy it. Hey, this is uh, Sam, the movie man, Watermeyer, telling you my number one favorite film of 2021, which was Mass. Um, it revolves around uh, four people in a room just talking, and it is absolutely riveting. A lot of people are comparing it to a play, but I would say that it's inherently cinematic. It's a movie you need to see in the dark of a of a movie theater it's the kind of movie that forces you to kind of stare into the abyss but also into people's souls and it is just uh heartbreaking yet hopeful and just altogether remarkable so that is my uh, favorite film of 2021 All right, everybody, the long-awaited episode of our top 10. Uh, we'll see how many we get through on this episode. I'm planning on 6 through 10 for this first episode. We'll see how long-winded we are today. Uh, but I'm very excited because I have with us today Joe Shearer. Say hello, Joe. Hello. And I have our dear friend Matthew Sosi. Say hello, friend. Speaking hello. of long-winded. <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry. No, that's me. 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 No, we... Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll... I'll, I'll snail. I'll, I'll hit you verbally later. Yeah, <laughs> we are. Uh, we are super hyped to be doing this. Um, we have our uh, six through ten. We're ready to go. Um, I do want to say one thing though, and maybe we can talk about this when we're done recording between the three of us. But um, I did end up cutting one of my movies that I just want to say this because I just want to pitch it to people because I've pitched it for most of last year. But I took it out because I really wanted my top 10 to be purely cinematic movies, right? So anything that was like any kind of performances or anything like that, I would cut out because there's a movie that is literally my number five that I extracted called Derek Delgadio's In and of Itself. I love this performance. It made me cry three different times. People on the podcast have heard me talk about it a ton. If you look at my letterbox, um, which it's not public yet, but when it is, 
And uh, also, whenever, if you're on my Instagram, you will see that number five will be in and of itself then. But I cut that for this episode. So I have some surprises up my sleeve here. So does Joe, it seems. He was threatening me with his number one. Um, I'm going to hate it. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Please don't threaten us with your number one, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> so Without anyways, uh, we're going to kickstart this so we don't go six hours again. All right. And uh, I'm going to uh, pass this off. We're going to start with you, Matthew Sosi. Let's start with our number 10 of 2021. Well, number 10, I'm doing what all most critics do is cheat and put two films in as a tie oh, and lump them in for one reason. Shut up. <laughs> uh, and they're both. And I, well, I'll do it first. My uh, number one is uh, number 10 is the avant garde rock opera thing called Annette. That's higher on my and list. Tied with uh, the uh, Tilda Swinton sound meditative film memoria how did you see that movie i was dying to see memoria i haven't seen that um, one yet <laughs> and and I'll, I'll tell you why i put them both together and 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 since you i heard you mentioned memoria that's fine these are both the cinema so when people bitch about that there's no original movies and nothing's good out there this is the cinematic equivalent of what do you want to eat i don't know what do you what do you feel like eating i don't care what about these films no you know, you have something that's that's really original in its in its even though I've already pitched Memoria or uh, Annette is if Charles Kaufman did a Star Is Born. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's it's really bold for its storytelling. Both of them could be twenty to thirty minutes shorter. I have to admit, but I think for for sheer chutzpah. And in the case of Memoria, it's it's kind of meditative and hypnotic, and it's 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 a fascinating exercise in acting of doing doing less less. And I think we're used to seeing not just the best acting, but the most acting. And and Tilda Swinton and the other actors in that show just give you considerably less and you get drawn in it's almost it's almost like being in one of those uh tanks like in altered states but uh but no i would i would give these films a shot and and memoria like i said it's i i'm a fan of people whose vocals aren't the strongest because mine aren't and uh and they got they got the guts to do it so th- th- that's my number 10 that's awesome joe did you get a chance to see memoria I have not seen Memoria. I literally um, could not get that anywhere. I'm so jealous of you, Matthew. That's like that rules because this is the director for our listeners who did the film a few years back. It has a longer title, but the shortened version is Uncle Boon Me. Um, yeah. I actually need to go back and watch that because I actually didn't get to that that year, but that was a big buzz. And he is known as a really kind of unique filmmaker right now. Just the guy really doing something special. So I'm really excited to check this one out. And it's, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a big plot point probably about three quarters of the way fill into it but i think you get sucked into the world and you just go with it which is i think what the whole point of cinema is is this draw you into a different world and if something makes your eyebrow raise dwayne johnson style you just go with it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well that's that's a good one like i said annette is higher on my uh on my list and for the listeners out there so we cut down on the six hour running time of our recording <laughs> Um, I am uh, making it where if it is higher on one of our lists, we're going to wait until the highest. Uh, it's yeah. the highest pick. If you don't understand what I'm saying, you'll get it. So, yeah, we'll we're gonna, we'll talk about Annette here uh, shortly. Uh, Joe, you're number 10, yeah. man. You're up next. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, speaking of being pulled into a different world, 
uh, Kadeem Hardison was there with me, Lisa Bonet, and we didn't. Uh, yeah, I, I lost my I lost my my ticket to a different world uh, from them. Uh, she's so, available now. Yeah, she's yeah. So yeah, timely news. Uh, uh, newsflash, yeah, Lisa Bonet and Jason Momoa are, are splitsville. So you know, the entire planet is the now thing. So I'm borrowing a joke from David Spade. Uh-huh. Every person, male or female or whatever, or in between on the planet now thinks they got a shot with either one of them. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, speaking of my number 10, um, is Nightmare Alley. Um, so ah. yeah, so, um, I, I actually, you know, I, I saw it a little bit later than other people and um i there there was a lot of kind of kvetching about it you know from especially from kind of my circle of friends um and then i i caught it and i was like this is a pretty solid movie um it it was a lot of fun i've not seen the original i know austin watched the original um we covered it on the show yeah 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 and i i had a i just had a good time with this um i love bradley cooper it was a lot of fun um i i do want to say we didn't really do much of an introduction I do feel like this was a pretty weak year altogether, like a very weak year, honestly, um, all to all told, um, at least from what I've seen. And um, so this this is kind of a solid, I don't know, three and a half star kind of movie to me um, based on what I've seen. Um, uh, it, it was kind of right there. Uh, of course, Guillermo del Toro directed it, who, you know, generally is very solid. Uh, pretty strong cast, Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, Rooney Mara, all in it. Um, lots of fun twists and turns. And geez, it's, you know, it's, it, it was, it, you know, it's the kind of movie where there is certainly noirish and you know what's cap- what's happening. And, um, you know, like everyone's kind of betraying each other in some way. It's just kind of a fun ride to get there. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I had, I had a good time with it. So I uh, picked it as number 10. I, I liked it. I didn't like it as much as you. And apparently I liked it more than Lou Harry. But again, most people liked it more than Lou Harry. Yeah, Lou Harry doesn't uh, like anything. I know. And, <laughs> and Bob Bloom. It was great because I, I think Bob and I were the only ones that had seen the original. And this is an example of where the original and the remake can exist in their own environments. And you don't have to pick one or the other. This is really for the younger people. Yeah. Um, I really like the original Nightmare Alley. It's uh, Of course, I'm a sucker for 1940s Fox Noir. And if this is what Guillermo del Toro does with his, you know, with his Oscar cachet, he gets to make his own version of a really gorgeous looking film noir. And it, it could have been shorter for my taste, but he, Mm -hmm. he went to do it. Kate Blanchett channels her inner Lauren Bacall big time. Uh And I mean, yeah, there's, it's a solid, solid cast and it's, it's just, and and as Bob had mentioned, I wish you know I just said it before him. This one has the original ending. Yeah. Fox did have the kind mm-hmm. of a tagged on happy ending. It's a film noir. It's not supposed to end well for at least somebody, right? And uh, and and Del Toro uh, Guillermo was able to do that uh, with them. A side note: This is here a little inside baseball uh, for the listeners out there. Nightmare Alley is also the film that sent me the last piece of movie swag. And it arrived in the mail last week. And it was not <laughs> not the film. It was I not the film. Yeah. I got tarot cards and a yes. notebook. Yep. Nice. And it was just, it was just a, it's one thing if you get the movie late, but I was like, oh, I I I think my kid's gonna take the tarot cards. Cool. Um yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. whatever. I got so, my, my got, daughter coincidentally bought me the original Nightmare Alley for Christmas, and it comes with ooh. tarot cards, the criterion version. <laughs> Oh, that's which cool. is pretty okay. awesome yeah but yeah. no i so we did uh, on episode i think it was 63 a couple back uh, i had jb from uh f this movie podcast 
come on. We talked about the original and Guillermo del Toro's and kind of compared and contrasted and did stuff like that. And he's super good with kind of trivia stuff. So he had knew a whole bunch about the movie and I did a bunch of research and I'm telling you, if there was ever a book that deserved to be remade, it was Nightmare Alley. I mean, the original is awesome. I love it. Yeah. But when you learn what was in that book, it is uh, insane. Mm-hmm. And what Guillermo del Toro was allowed to do in 2021, um, yep. you know, I just feel like it was at least a worthy remake. I really liked it. But this tells you, because I didn't have a single five-star movie this year. And uh, so I agree with you that it wasn't uh, a great year. Um, Not that I have to every year, but just usually I do at least have one. Uh, But this one didn't. But I also had a lot that I just liked at kind of like a three and a half to four star level. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. uh, I was just going to say Nightmare Alley is actually number 19. That tells you how many above it I still like. But I actually really did enjoy Nightmare Alley. The only thing I had a problem with, and we don't need to talk about this long, was I just felt like, though I think Bradley Cooper did well, I felt like he was a bit miscast for me. He was kind of a thing that I just couldn't quite believe in. But in terms of the film and how beautiful it looks, holy crap, dude. And by the way, Joe, before I pass it on to Matt, because I think he had something. But Joe, this was on your uh, most anticipated films of 2021 last year, which I went back and listened to to find out. So when we do our episode... So uh, we'll be talking about that some more, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, did you have something you wanted to say before we move on, Matthew? Uh, just a couple of quick things. I always tend to look at my runners up or my honorable mention list to see, you know, what did make the top 10. And for me, that kind of delegates how strong a year it was. And I think I'm with you guys. There's like a lot of three and a halfs if I were to do stars yeah. or whatever, yaps or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there is that. But the other part is, and I, I guess I got I to gotta ask, since you, you mentioned it, Austin, um, who would you cast in Bradley Cooper's place. I'm, I'm being, you know, I, so I, I wouldn't necessarily pick this, but when we talked about it on the episode, uh, we both, both JB and I found that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was originally cat, like was originally in Ooh. mind. And I thought that would have been a good choice. I haven't actually thought of dream choices, so I can't quite answer well, that, but in terms of what almost was, I do think he would have probably been a better choice. Instead of screaming at the earth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that ending, though, dude, in Guillermo del Toro's, I love way Man, more. It's real good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's a shining moment for Cooper, too. But that's a good choice. Nightmare Alley. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, my number 10, hopping over here, is a movie that I watched today. Okay. <laughs> I got one last one in, and luckily it worked. Again, this would typically be my number 11 because in and of itself is up there, but for the sake of this uh, list, here it is. It is The Killing of Two Lovers, which is a film on Hulu. Is this on anyone else's list? I doubt it, but it's okay. on my honorable mention, man. I'm really okay. glad you got to see this. Yeah, written and directed by Robert. Machowin, I think is Machuyan. I don't know how to say his last name, but uh, the cast is a bunch of people I've never even heard of, to be honest, and it came out last May. This was on, like, two top ten lists I saw, and I watched mm-hmm. the trailer, and I'm like, this looks like a movie for me because it's Bummerville, okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's basically... Are we, are we just building the Bummerville map? Uh, actually, not really. I actually, this is actually not a bad list for. Normally, mine would just be let's let's cry in our soup. You know what I mean? But this there's, is uh, there's one on my list that um, we're definitely putting in Bummersville, Austin. Yeah. I can't. I love that that we're constructing this new imaginary town. I love it. Yeah, and I am the <laughs> mayor for sure. 
But yeah, yeah. The, basically, for any listeners that don't know of The Killing of Two Lovers, you can watch it on Hulu. Uh, t- it follows a guy named David who desperately tries to keep his family uh, of six together uh, during a trial separation from his wife. And they both agree to see other people, but David really struggles uh, to grapple with you know his wife's new relationship. And it's really just a film about pain and obsession. And it's one of those movies not unlike... I called this my uh, never, rarely, sometimes, always pick for this year, and by and the reason I say that is because it's kind of like this slice of life. You are watching these long takes of people doing kind of mundane yeah, that, things. That, that opening shot is great. Really, really great. Yeah, I, I mean, man. I, but by the end, all I'm gonna say is when someone beats up someone, that's all I'm gonna say because you've seen it. Dude, from there, I was edge of my seat. Like, I really love this. So it grew on me during and the I, uh, duration. It works because, I mean, and it really works because first off, you have the title. So you're already hitting with the title. And right out of the gate, you know, I think what has become more prominent in films in the last few years is the over overall feeling of dread. And it doesn't have to be Midsummer or Heredity, although although that that dude kind of leads the league in it. But but there's that thing of you're waiting for the other shoe to drop, and there's something exhilarating or fat or great or exhausting on whether it does or it does not. There's a scene with the couple in the truck, and it's supposed to be their date oh night. Oh my god! And, you know, you're if anybody who's ever been married or broken up or what have you, you're just like hoping to. Uh, please go home. Please don't hit her. Please don't hit him. Gah, Dude, that so. that is that is a every moment of that scene is a twist of the screw, like intention. Yeah. I mean, it's it's uh it's just one of those movies that a lot of people probably won't have the attention span for. But luckily, in a year where we had a ton of over <laughs> uh over long movies, it's an hour and twenty five minutes. It's super it, quick, it super easy. Um, again, it's it's slow, but I like the. Pa- I actually think the pacing is really important because it really internalizes everything that they're going through. A lot of it is they're not even talking, but you just see a close up of their face, and you can just read everything. And yep. so I just thought yep. it was really really good. Performances are are sometimes really great, sometimes okay, um, but it never it never deterred me from the overall story that I was uh, experiencing. It was just great. Very good. I'm glad you. I'm glad you got to mention that. Awesome. that could hopefully, get some more some more viewers to yeah. watch it. So uh, we're back to you, Matthew. Number nine. What's your number nine? Number nine. Sp- speaking of feeling of dread and hoping something <laughs> worse doesn't happen, Maggie Gyllenhaal's The Lost Daughter. I didn't get around to this one, unfortunately. With it's on my list. A, yeah. Excellent performance from Olivia Coleman. Uh, an excellent performance from, from Dakota Johnson. It happens. Um, Ed Harris. I think Ed, Ed, Ed Harris is one of those dudes you're like, oh, he's playing a regular guy. Or there's also the thing of when when's he gonna turn and you know put a screwdriver through a through a you know a, a wall or something. But uh but Coleman plays a, an older woman on vacation. She winds up observing Dakota Johnson and her family, especially her child the the young woman's child. And we start to get flashbacks about her as a mom. And if you've seen the trailers for this, it it and I'm happy, it's not really a spoiler, it doesn't turn into Fatal Attraction. It gives the vibe of almost, you know, kind of a stock. It's stocky, but it's all internal mm-hmm. for the most part until it becomes external, but it doesn't turn into 
either ending a fatal attraction. That's probably a good way of putting it. <laughs> so there's all of this tension on what's she going to do. And the fact that it's Olivia Coleman who downplays it. And it's, uh, it's a, it's a really, really nice performance uh, from the two leads and Maggie Gyllenhaal. She's, you know, I remember there was an onion article that had um, a work release program for actresses in their thirties. <laughs> and I believe they did a juxtapose of like, Anne Hathaway, Kirsten Dunst, and I think Maggie Gyllenhaal, you know, sitting in classrooms on what they're going to do, you know, in between uh, from going to, from ingenue to playing moms. Well, I think Maggie Gyllenhaal just kind of put a middle finger up to the onion and said, well, I can direct now. Yeah. Um, and it's so, yeah, I, I definitely work that. And speaking of movie swag, I still like to say that um, I got a bottle of wine directly from Maggie Gyllenhaal because uh-huh. of Lost Daughter, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're going to brag about all the crap we got this year. It's a good year for swag. <laughs> it was actually a pretty good year for swag. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've yeah. heard but a thousand, a thousand books, though. And I hate. Yeah, there's books. a lot of books. Yeah. And every time a box showed up, Netflix, I was slightly, yeah. I was happy that it was a movie, but I was slightly disappointed it wasn't a hat or a cake. Yeah, really. I mean, there's so much, there's so many, so much potential. It ended up being just nothing. Yeah, it was just like this book. And oh yeah, here's the movie. Here's a book with a bunch of pictures in it. Yes. Yeah, if you send the book, send the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah really. You know who you are. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, you know, The Lost Daughter was, uh, there were seven more in priority. That was like number seven on my priority list that I keep. Mm-hmm. Toward the end of the year, I start putting them in order, and uh-huh. I just could not get to it. But it was one I was really excited to see, still plan to watch it. Uh, yeah. And I'm Do glad so. that it made Do an so. appearance on your list, because this is one that I saw on other lists as well, and that kind of bumped it up for me. And I'm excited cool. to see Gyllenhaal's first movie, you know, so. Yeah. That was a good job. Yeah. 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 All right. Joe, what's your number nine, <laughs> yeah. buddy? Yeah, number nine. So speaking of downers, we, you know, um, uh, this one uh, was, uh, I and I, I almost feel like this is going to be on other people's lists. My number nine is Mass. Oh, yeah. Ah, Bummersville Presbyterian Church. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's on mine. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's right. higher okay. on mine for sure. Go yeah. for it, right. Joe. Go. All right, let's move on. Yeah. All right, all right. Well, then, then we will hop over to my number nine, um, which is number Annette. Nine. So... Uh, Joe, was that on yours by chance? No, it's not okay. on my list. Then we can talk about it. Um, yeah. I'll just start and then, uh, Socia, I'll, I'll pass it off to you in a second here. Um, okay. Annette is directed by Leos Carax, who did Holy Motors a few years back. Um, pretty wild dude. And this is even different in what, than what I expected. Um, but uh, it came out last August, stars Adam Driver, Marion Cotillard, uh, and a few others. Um, it's basically the Simon story. Helberg. Yep, yep. You, dude, Simon Helberg. It's funny because I don't. What? What's? Oh my God! What is the Big Bang Theory? I don't like that show personally. Okay, mm-hmm. and I'm like right. this guy. I'm writing this guy off now, and he's in this, and he's so awesome. Well, he he also got to play the the accompanist accompanist in uh, Florence Foster Jenkins. So I he's his music background has really paid off. For him to get out of sitcom land. So Dude, I'm really I was really happy to see him in this. He's really good in this, I thought. Especially the scene yeah. where he's conducting and then talking, yes. if you know what I'm talking about. That's so good. But anyways, this uh, Annette is the story of Henry McHenry, a stand-up comedian with a fierce sense of humor, and Anne, a singer of international renown, uh, played by Cotillard. Uh, in the spotlight, they are the perfect couple, healthy, happy, and glamorous. But uh, the birth of their first child, Annette... Um, you know, causes uh, some weird changes in their life. And um, 
but she has a few weird, uh, you know, attributes herself. Um, I, I just want everybody to know that the, the my, one of my favorite parts of this movie is that Annette is basically a marionette doll. Yeah, and there this was, is there was the, a moment. There was a moment of watching it with my family. Went, oh, we get it. <laughs> um, yeah, and this, there's there's a thing of I uh, to borrow a phrase from our our dearly departed Ed Johnsonot. He did this. I can't, I'm trying to remember the movie, but you get it's getting hit over the head with the cardboard tube. Yeah. And oh, in the Valley Ela, that was the film. But in this one, we're like, yes, parenting's hard. Pink, and yes, it's a Mary Annette. So, yeah. but I don't, I don't mind getting hit in the head with the tube. Apparently, yeah. No, it. You know, I thought because Holy Motors, I was kind of just like fascinated by, but it wasn't so much like uh, it was like an honorable mention for me that year, just because it was so unique and what an experience. But I wasn't huge on it. But this movie was one of those that I started it, and I'm like, okay, okay. I actually didn't know it was a full on musical. I thought there were just a couple of musical sequences, but this is like throughout. And I'm yep. sitting here watching it, and I'm just like, okay, this is cool. And then the next thing happens. I'm like, okay, this is pretty awesome. We're, and then it just keeps, yeah, it keeps going. And, man, by the end, I'm just like, especially that, all I'm going to say is um, the scene where someone visits someone, if you know what I'm yep. saying. Yep. Um, yep. But, but that character changes, I'll say. And that yeah. got me. I don't know what it was about it, but that really put the bow on top of the gift there. Um, and, uh, I actually did not think Annette, I would like Annette this much and I actually liked it quite a bit. So, uh, yeah, Annette is my number nine, Matthew, you had it on your list tied at number I 10. Did. Tell me about it. I did. Uh, well, it's, it's funny. I, I, I reminded that Adam drivers, so we had, somebody has to do an episode of films about com about comedians who aren't actually funny because, you know, <laughs> drivers on, I think Adam Driver's opening for Tom Hanks and Punchline. Yeah. <laughs> or Robert De Niro in The King of Comedy. Yeah. And but there's, you know, this kind of avant-garde performance artist. And, and, or, and a Saturday Night Live once said about Adam Driver, his voice sounds like it's been altered because he's a, an anonymous witness. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I mentioned it, it's kind of an avant-garde star is born because, yeah, Cotier is from a higher brow uh, world of music and how could these pop two possibly live together and be married? See the Sosi family. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I, I'd, I'd love Marion Cotillard to do pledge spots if she would let us, but uh, you know, and she's up for, she's one of those that's up for anything. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so the fact that you have this, like, like I said, out there, I call it an opera because it's singing. It's just singing. And so I love the fact that this is ranking higher than some of the more higher profile musicals that came out in 2021, yeah. which you can actually yeah. rank this year. So I'm hoping more people see it. And there's a part of me, I would like to show it just to irritate people. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's the, it's the, Oh, you're, you're bitching about the superhero movies. Good. Sit down and watch this and shut up. <laughs> yeah. It is a bizarre experience, but I was really there for it. And these first few are kind of like the more uh, non-traditional movies. These first few on the list, coincidentally, 
Um, uh-huh. And and that's kind of part of it. I didn't just put them on here because of that, but it just coincidentally worked out where it's like, man, some of these are kind of unusual, and I love having those. Like last year, I had the painted bird, if you remember, and that was yep. like such an unusual one, but I actually really did like it, and I couldn't even almost articulate why it just did something for me. And that's kind of how I feel about Annette. There's something about this. The musical sequences, like whenever uh, Henry McHenry is doing his first uh, stand-up, and it takes like 15 minutes. It goes on forever. And but he'll just be talking about how, you know, he might just kill himself or something like it's just really downer. But like the crowd is like yelling things in unison, almost like a like a uh, like a a chorus in like a uh, like a theater or something. But then like he'll have like backup singers and they'll just break into song and then stop. And he goes back to being like a bummer and like weird, dude. It's just so fascinating. There was never a moment where I was bored. You know, so you're saying he's he's play he's going to be in residence at the Bummersville Lounge, <laughs> only only well, only for the only for the twentieth and twenty first, yeah, and then he's gone. Right, but <laughs> and there's also a great moment where he goes and does this show in Vegas. If you if you've ever seen live entertainment in Vegas, anything that's this out of the ordinary is not going over. Let's put this Never. there. I look for I look for jazz on. Uh, Las Vegas and Nevada NPR it's smooth at most so let's <laughs> they they play it safe out there so yeah uh Annette is uh on who or no 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 Amazon Prime so if you have a Amazon Prime, Prime yeah if you have a Prime account you can watch this for free um it is uh it's worth seeing if you want to see probably the most unusual movie on my list um and it if you're interested in it's like two and a half hours going back to long movies I mean, yeah, it's like two hours and 20 something minutes so i actually in this case agree with you matthew that this could be cut back probably 20 30 minutes but um but knowing knowing leo's care acts i'm not surprised no <laughs> like, and he probably he probably yell at you and he yell at me and you know i directed yeah. a play that was almost four hours this year so what am i to say about cutting yeah shut up <laughs> no uh <laughs> um but anyways yes yeah, so that's my number nine that was uh matthew's tie for number 10 um, let's go ahead and keep going. Matthew, you're up next with your number eight. We're moving number along. Eight. This is great. Number eight is uh, the, the second of three musicals. And I put musicals in quotes uh, because we just talked about that. Um, yes, Dear Evan Steven Hansen. Sp- no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Oh. So, yes, we're, we're doing some correcting as far as casting which helps it also helps that everybody in the film except for maybe tony uh can sing and dance really really well (laughs) yeah and and you also have tony kushner doing the screenplay so i love at the press screening there's a moment where you see a neighborhood being torn down and it's going to be put up the you know the met um you know a big arts building which really says quite a bit but um yeah this and you don't need to watch the original west side story although you probably should uh but i it was great to see full-on singing full-on dancing a story that still holds up i think musically and you got a lot of new faces um that are gonna get that are already getting noticed i mean when when baby driver is your least uh least standout performance in this and Rita Moreno of course is a global treasure um you know I I really really enjoyed this yeah unfortunately another one that I just couldn't didn't have an opportunity to fit Mm -hmm. in um one Uh, that I'm definitely looking forward to checking out just because uh my wife and I love to watch musicals together if we when we get around to it and she's watched all the ones from this year that I've seen this is the one that came out at the end of the year that I just could not get to so 
It's, I mean, it's a yeah, big Rachel, year for me. Rachel Ziegler, Ariana DeBose. I'm like, I want to get and, and Mike Face's rip. I want Mike Face to star in the Ben Mendelsohn biopic. Because <laughs> <laughs> when I first saw, it, I was like, dude, you yeah, if there's a film that involves an older character played by Ben Mendelsohn, and you need flashbacks. Cast this kid. That's kid. He's probably in his late third, late twenties. So, uh, yeah, just an enjoyable return to a story that still holds up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Can't I can't I can't dispute that. I was excited to see Spielberg finally do a proper musical, and not only that, but to if he was going to remake one, I feel like he could build upon that one. And so uh, I'm actually excited to see it. I have nothing bad to say about that. It's good. Don't forget, and it's funny because, yeah, a lot of people talk, how it's, you know, they're kind of surprised that Steve Spielberg hasn't done a musical yet. He, he had some warm-ups. There is a big dance and singing number in 1941, as well as the opening number, as folks don't want to remember, of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom <laughs> with uh, <laughs> Mrs. Spielberg, with Kate Capshaw and that big thing. So there's those moments of, true. oh, he can do them. He just... Haven't gotten around to it. He's busy doing Minority Report. Yeah, if you yeah. haven't if you haven't seen 1941 too, what a, what a deep cut that one is like. That's like the one that no one wants to remember because it feels like some weird Animal House comedy or something. <laughs> I saw it in the theater, man. Well, and it was because they pushed it because Ackroyd and Belushi were in it, mm-hmm. and you know some other folks from Animal House. Shira Mafune's in it, I think, or something ridiculous. Mifune, like it's Christopher crazy. Lee, um, Slim Pickens. I mean, it's like half Eddie Deason for Christ's sake. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, half the Screen Actors Guild was in this, and it was one of those because every every big ma- filmmaker from the seventies had to be lopped off at the ankles. And and this was Spielberg's, unfortunately. I mean, it's there's a lot, and he put a lot of money into it, but uh, he went back to what he knew best right after that. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Um, yeah, so yeah, your number nine, love it, West or eight number, rather, number sorry, eight, eight West eight. Side number Story. Eight. Joe, what's your number eight, buddy? Yeah, so so I, I you know I, I was trying to fit in a minute ago. It, it's a pretty big year for musicals, um, and my number eight also is a musical. Um, We've talked about it previously on the <laughs> podcast, so we, I don't know how much we need. To, I guess you know. I guess uh, Matt, you can weigh in on it because um, we both have. But um, I, I have Tick Tick Boom as my number eight. Um, uh, Lin Manuel Miranda's um, directorial debut, I believe, for a film. Um, Andrew Garfield, who's going to make a couple of appearances on my list, um, uh, playing Jonathan Larson. I fucking know now. I know. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) But um, uh, you might be surprised. Um, But um, yeah, um, you know, like I said, we talked about this. I I enjoyed it. Um, You know, as you know, Jonathan Larson was a creator of Rent, of course, and among other things, um, there was some nice, uh, some timely uh, appearances uh, as a character from Stephen Sondheim in this film, played by by, uh, Bradley Bradley Whitford. Yeah, um, you know, just and then uh, literally uh, when when I watched it, literally the next day is when uh, Sondheim was announced as having passed away. So I, like I watched it that the evening before the next morning I wake up and he's passed away. I was like, that's some weird like synergy going on there. Thanks. But, um, oh. but uh, yeah, I, I, I just enjoyed it. It was just a fun time. Um, we've talked about it, the shortcomings, um, like I said, in our podcast. So but previously, so we don't need to get too far into it, but I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, I enjoyed Tick, Tick, Boom um, as kind of an exploration of an artist being an artist. And it, it does a few fun, silly things. We we like we like the process. I think we like films about the creative types and, mm-hmm. you know, the diner scene 
is yeah. that, you know, I think every musical theater kid from high school and college just kind of passed out. <laughs> yeah. With, uh, yeah. With yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I especially, I really love, um, there's, there's a moment where uh, Jonathan Larson's in the, in a swimming pool and, you know, the, the movie is a lot about his, his block as, as to writing a song and, and the emergence of, of the, uh, the, the notes in the bottom of the pool, I thought was just kind of fun and inventive. Um, not, maybe not particularly deep, you know, in, in kind of a real, you know, a real way, but, but it, it was, it was an enjoyable movie. Um, it told me a story about someone who I wasn't familiar with, um, who was, who is a famous person, um, of course, but um, uh, for me, being sort of an outsider to a lot of musicals, it, it kind of just brought, it just, it just gave me, it kind of gave me a little eye opener and, and, and helped me enjoy something that, in a genre that I'm, I'm kind of notoriously wishy-washy about. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it on episode 61, so I don't need to talk about it. Of course, I was more mm -hmm. of a critic of it, but you know what, though? I'll say this. I'm really glad it's still on your list. I am yeah. glad it moved down from number one, but still, oh, I'm yeah. glad it's on your list. That thing was at yeah. number one at one point? <laughs> it, it, it was very early. It was early. It was, it was before you know, the big was, cram, so in his yeah, defense. Yeah. Right, okay, got it, yeah. got it. It's, but, it's been a weird year for me, but suffice it to say, like I, I acknowledged even at that point that it was not going to be there. And that, it, you know, it, it was just kind of at that moment, I had seen so few movies that it, yeah. it, it just happened to be there. And I was like, I know it's not going to be there. And of course, it's not. Um, and, and it's really, you know, kind of just tickling the end of my top 10 as it is. But um, but yeah, uh, I, I still wanted to put it there. An imperfect movie, but but one that I had a lot of fun with. That being said, Joe, you still don't need to watch Rent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you really, you really don't. No, but I mean, I saw I saw some of Lease. So. You know, yeah, and, that's pretty. Or or co-op. It's funny. You might, yeah. I'm sorry. Side side tangent. When when we when when we found out that Sondheim had died, because uh, my daughter's gotten to do two of his of his works. Um, Lynn and I sat down and we watched, and it's on Criterion. If you get a chance, look for it. There's a great documentary that D. A. Pennybaker did called Original Cast Recording Company, yeah. and it's the recording of the original cast soundtrack score from 1970, and from uh, of our generation, um, there's a lot of familiar faces that I had no idea were in this. Dean Jones was your lead. Um, Barbara, oh, Barbara Berry is in this. Beth Howland's in this. Um, Charles Kimbrough, for you fans of Murphy Brown. Beth Howland, from you, for you fans of MASH. The dude who played Woodcock in Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid did the score. <laughs> so did the script and, you know, and it's it's anyway and elaine stretch who could beat all of us in a bar fight easily oh yeah and so the, it's it's less than an hour and then perfect as soon as that was over i flipped over and it's on the criterion blu-ray the episode of documentary now called oh, co-op yeah. that john mulaney did co-wrote co and was a part of it it's a it was the for me the best tribute to sondheim um the day he died that's so awesome. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, just to wrap up uh, Tick, Tick, Boom here, Joe, I sincerely am happy it's on there because what I what I love about making these lists is they're ultimately trivial. They're just what we think. No one right. like it doesn't really mean anything. Right. But it's like our favorites. And I'm excited yeah. to, like, tell people about them. I don't care if they're the, quote, best films of the year. They're my favorite, right. damn it. And I love that it's still on there. <laughs> you know I'm what? glad that I didn't scare you away too much. <laughs> you know what? I know what you're doing, and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really wasn't doing anything, but that's funny. Um, my number eight is uh, one that crept up over the last probably week. 
Um, my list has changed in the last like three weeks pretty dramatically. And um, yeah, my number eight is a movie that I didn't even know existed until like a week and a half ago or something. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> it's called uh, Shiva Baby. Do you guys know this? Oh, one? Yeah. oh yeah. Okay. My yeah. Emma turned yeah. me on to that. Yeah. yeah. Shiva Baby is written and directed by Emma Seligman. Seligman. And uh, the cast is Rachel Sinnott, uh, Danny DeFerrari, uh, Fred Melamond, uh, Polly Draper. I don't know why I'm like, it's hard for me to read right now. And Molly Gordon. It's uh, streaming on HBO Max if you get a chance to see it. Um, it's about a college student who is attending a family shiva where uh, she is accosted by her relatives, outshined by her ex-girlfriend, and face-to-face with her sugar daddy and his family. Um, the whole point is this main character played aw- like super good. I got like shades of uh, Greta Gerwig with uh, Rachel Sinnott's yeah. character. Uh, but uh, basically, she is trying to get through school, and she has this sugar daddy who like pays everything. They're both Jewish. There's a funeral, which they call it. Sh- it's like a, the after funeral where you have like refreshments and you, you kind of hang out and, you know, uh, what we would call maybe a reception or something like that. In, it's our, a world, shiva. in our world, casseroles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a but it's a shiva. But she like she sees her sugar daddy there and it makes the, it is. So you've seen it, Matthew. Don't forget. Don't forget what her job is. Oh, well. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which like well, I guess we won't mention that. So you got to go see it and find yeah, out. Yeah. Well, no. The thing. The thing is this. This movie. I already used the analogy of tightening like a screw. Yeah. I, this is one of the most stressful films I saw this year. <laughs> I mean, just from the beginning to the end, the way that everyone is kind of just like, like subtly harassing, and sometimes not so subtly, but just harassing her. Like the stress, yep. and it's funny. Like, I it thought is. it was actually really funny. I mean, it's more of like a, a dramedy, if you will, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's really great. Matthew, what do you think as, of this? As, as somebody who has a 20-year-old in the house for one more – actually, for a couple more days. She's been home from college since uh, about a month. So it's one thing because I remember being the 20-year-something, having to go back – to see family for a holiday or a family event. And, you know, if you feel like you're not going, you got the best resume and you're being asked constantly, you know, what are you doing? What's going on? And, you, and, you know, cause there's always going to be follow-up questions folks. And now I'm at the age where I'm asking the questions and I'm trying not to be the adult that asked the questions. Yeah. So um, this is a great example of, you could watch this again in about 10 years, especially if you're younger, and you could relate to it from a different angle. Oh, yeah. And it's um, 71 minutes. Yeah. Back that's, to short. It's it's, it's my grindhouse rule. Yeah, dude, it's <laughs> so grind- short. This is yeah, like my grindhouse rule is a lot of a lot of films, a lot of films, especially action films, would just be a lot easier if they were 70 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, the old Val Luton movies, like the seventh yes. victim. It's just like, don't yes. go over 75 minutes or whatever it was. Um, yeah, dude, this is, uh, and Shiva Baby's not like a mumblecore movie or anything. It's just, it, honestly, you know what it felt like to me, Matthew? And Joe, I don't know if you saw this, but, uh, you know, you know what it, it reminded me of? It made me feel like the season finale of a really good TV show. Like we, we'd built up this whole season and then the last episode is this Shiva and I would watch that show. And I, and I don't mean to anybody who would see that as me. Uh, you know, kind of throwing it under the bus if you think TV is inferior in some way. I do not mean that. I mean that as like 
this movie rules, and I would totally watch a TV show if it existed. <laughs> would there? Would you have this as a double feature with Rachel getting married? <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. Oh <laughs> hey, this is. I also. I also do programming for their Bummersville Multiplex. Yeah. <laughs> Our, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, okay. Well, let, it's it's up to you now, Matthew. Number 7. We're moving number right seven, along. Number 7. Number 7 is my is my top musical of the year and it's not so much of the singing, but it is for a performance that I've been kind of campaigning for. I really enjoyed Joe Wright's Cyrano. Yes. And Peter Dinklage <laughs> yeah. has a has a wallet that says bad motherfucker on yes, it. Yes, he does. And, now, and, now I, I have this on my list too, higher up. So Oh, all yeah. right. Okay. Yes. Well, cool. Yep. We'll Good. hold off Good. on that. I haven't uh, seen yeah. it I yet. I'm say, a nerd. Even if it was on yours, Austin, it's mine's probably higher. So. No, it's not on mine because I didn't this get a chance to see yours. it. Um, yeah. I, I saw I when I went to see uh so I went to the Keystone Arts Cinema in Indy to see licorice pizza because it was the only way I could see the damn movie. And I uh -huh. saw the Cyrano and I saw like tragedy of Macbeth, all these movies that I wanted to see, but I didn't yeah. get a chance to see them because they didn't have fucking screeners like you guys. <laughs> uh, Anyways. Now, okay. Yeah, I, didn't get now, Macbeth. To be fair, I did see licorice pizza in the theater too. I understand. <laughs> yeah. And we yeah. had to see Macbeth in the theater. So yeah. no, anyways. Yeah. Um, but no, that's uh, yeah. We'll talk about that when we get the Joe's. All right. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, cool. Joe, your number seven, uh -huh. man. Yeah, my number seven is, uh, um, I, I don't know, I was almost surprised I included this, I think, to a degree, but um, I, I really like Mike Mills' Come On, Come On. Oh, that's uh, higher on mine. Seven. Higher on mine. Good, yeah. good. All, All right. right. Well, well, I'll just shut up. Look now. at this recording going <laughs> Yeah, We're less than an hour. Look at this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is going to be like 20% of the time. Um, no, uh, then I'll just jump into it. My number seven is certainly the highest profile movie on my list for sure. Um, maybe not. Well, it probably is about as high profile as what I'm assuming Joe's number one is now. But anyways, um, it is uh, Denis Villeneuve's Dune, actually, okay. uh, part one uh, written. Is this on anybody else's list? No. OK. Yeah. All right. Um, I I'm a huge Villeneuve fan. Um, and, and, uh, Dune is one of those movies that I, I thought, man, he'll, he'll do pretty well, but I just don't know if this would be down my alley. And yeah. when I watched this movie, I just didn't expect it. And I saw this on HBO max. I didn't see this in theaters. I don't go to the theater often during a pandemic unless I like have to. So, um, but I would have liked to have seen this in theaters. This is, um, Based on, of course, the Frank Herbert novel, the cast is ridiculous. Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Zendaya, uh, Oscar Isaac, Jason Momoa, you know, shout out <laughs> coming back yeah. again. Josh Brolin, Javier Bardem, Dave Bautista, Stellan Skarsgård. I mean, just so many people. And yeah. uh, you can uh, check this out uh, on Amazon. You can rent it for twenty five ninety nine. <laughs> I would just wait, wait. That's what they're renting it for? Yeah, it's, it's still the early access thing. So... Just, just wait for it. It will come out on something Jesus, eventually. Warner Brothers, my God. Yeah, if you didn't get a chance to see it, just wait. It'll come out. But uh, uh, I, this is what I'm going to skip a synopsis on because I feel like we all know what this is. But anyways, Dune is the type of sci-fi movie I think we've deserved for so many years. Like, this is hard sci-fi. There's a lot of weird sci-fi shit going on. The special effects kind of blow my mind because I hate when I watch something that just looks like I'm watching CGI. And this just looks so natural. And the creative shit, like, just, like, uh, Stellan Skarsgård's character, 
like randomly just like growing, you know, like just like all these weird additions uh, just made me because when this came out, the second part wasn't greenlit yet. So I was like, no. fuck, like that could really the second movie could really change how I feel about the first one. But mm -hmm. um, how I feel about the first one right now, uh, it's on my top 10. So we'll see how long it lasts, depending on how part two goes. But uh, I, I think this is just so great. Did you guys even like this movie? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Joe, I'll let you, I'll let you. Go well, I was, I was, let me, let me say it like this. And I'm not, don't take this as a, as a thing one way or the other. I started watching it on HBO max and I got about 45 minutes into it. And I stopped not because I disliked it necessarily, but just because I was like, this deserves more of my time than I'm giving it right now. And I've yet to get back to it. So I, you know, I, I saw the original, the, the David Lynch version in, in the theater um, I remember being handed the card with the definitions of like, who yeah. all these people were <laughs> and what that. they were doing, what the relationships and were, what their politics were. You know, like you were, and you were how old, Joe? I was nineteen eighty four. I would have been seven years old. <laughs> They're handing you that card. Yeah, I, I was. I was fourteen. I'm like, what the hell is this? Yeah, uh -huh. I'm in the dark. Yeah, I, I was probably six, depending on when it came out. Six to seven years old. <laughs> um, I remember, you know, Virginia Madsen. I'm actually looking at IMDb with Virginia Madsen at the beginning. Uh, Virginia Madsen. Sting, like Sting was the coolest. Yeah, where, 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 where are the conch shell underpants in this one, Denise? <laughs> yeah. and, Denise, and, come on. And, and Kenneth McMillan, I think he's playing oh, the Stone Skarsgård character. He does, man. Disgusting. Was like the grossest person in the history of, of movies. But um, uh, yeah, uh, a Patrick Stewart that I didn't even know at that point. Before he was um, Patrick Stewart, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, but... So yeah, um, it's it's weird. Just Dune as like a pop culture phenomenon, if that's what you want to call it, just uh, almost like an anti-pop culture phenomenon because it's just like the movie that no one can make, the book that can't be yeah. adapted. That they, you know, I, I mean, there's a you know Jodorowsky's Dune for God's it's, sake is a documentary about how unmakeable this movie is. Yeah. It's still my favorite Dune. Yeah, <laughs> it's still yeah. my favorite Dune, and it yeah. wasn't made. Yeah, so. I, I will sooner or later not pay $25 to watch it, but I'll probably watch my screener sometime, but um, I, I'm going to definitely get back to it. It was, I was impressed with what I saw. And, you know, honestly, that's why I turned it off because I knew I wouldn't give it the time it, it needed. And, and like we said, in our, in our crush of, uh, you know, November to December, early December, I just didn't come back to, I knew it wasn't going to be my top 10. It was, you know, it's not a top 10, but, um, but I, I still want to, you know, I, st I still want to watch it and give it a good look. Yeah. Um, I got to see it in the theater. I braved the pandemic to go see that. With, with Along with my buddy Glenn, this was his favorite film, his favorite book, his favorite everything. Uh -huh. And there was the great moment. We went for lunch and he started explaining the novels, to, the novels, because there's more than one. Yeah, and yeah. I said yeah. to him, is this going to be in part two? And he's like, no. And I said, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I, I have bitched about the one book, one movie rule for a while, uh -huh. J.K. Rawlings, Hunger Games. Uh -huh. um, and I'm like, okay, I, gu I guess you need two films to make Dune. And uh, this this is what I would call a really good setup. Um, I Yeah, I saw, I was 14 and saw Dune, David Lynch's Dune in the theater. Hadn't seen it since. Didn't try to revisit it. And what I liked about this one was I wasn't lost. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. we are, you are very early on 
told this is this group, this is this planet, this is what's happening. So, so there, that was fine. I love the director because um, it's in a, you, the most, it's positive, you mentioned the effects, Austin. And I use Arrival as a great example of gorgeous footage. I mean, he's out in the flipping Lawrence of Arabia desert and then there's this giant flying dragonfly. And, you know, obviously this technology is better, but the use of, of CG and natural landscape has always been one of Denise's, uh, Dennis's best strengths, I think, when it comes to filmmaking. And so I really enjoyed that. And I knew it was good. I knew it was going to end where it ends. But I will say, to borrow a line from Arlie Emery, part two better shit, Tiffany Cufflinks. No, it you better know what? be like Return of the King level, bang slam, what have you, even if it's, you know, two and a half to three hours. Yeah, I and so I covered this on episode 55. If anybody wants to go, I did a solo review of it. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Honestly, like, it really relies on part two, but based on this, the reason I put it on my list though, because it doesn't really work as a standalone, of course, but um, it's, I love that it was so low key pretty much the whole time. Like there aren't a yeah. ton of really huge, big moments, which I preferred take the time to give us all the context, to give us everything we need. That scene where he puts his hand in that goddamn box. I love that scene. <laughs> Uh, the scene with the with the the giant sandworm hovering over them as they're on the rocks. Yeah. I mean, these things are like majestic, you know. And there was just something, you know. It, it's it's a huge compliment to Villeneuve when you make a movie that should never have been made, which is Blade Runner twenty forty nine. There's no reason for that to have ever been made, mm -hmm. and it's incredible. Uh, you just pissed Chris Lloyd off. Where no, no, no. Go? I, I no, no, no. I love that movie. I'm saying, like, he okay, did right. that right. Yeah. And that should never have existed, but now it's right. like a duology Got to it. me. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I want to see Blade Runner design. and 2049 now together yeah. because, like, they work. Whereas that should just never have happened, and it did. And with it's Dune, okay. I think he kind of continues, of course, a different color palette. I mean, we get a much more earthy, like, neutral color palette here. Fifty um, Shades of Brown is what my friend called it. Yeah, my, my friend said <laughs> something very similar, yeah. And by the way, by the way, Star Wars nerds, guess what Lucas was reading in the 60s and 70s? Mm -hmm. Yep. A young boy turning into a young man and no smooching your sister. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we can we can move on from that for now. Again, if anybody's interested in hearing more of my thoughts, episode 55. We are up to number six now, guys. Uh, Matthew, what's your number six? Uh, my number six is one of the date films from 2021, Jane Campion's The Power of the Dog. Oh, That's definitely yeah. higher on mine. Okay. On as well. <laughs> All right. So, yep. I love Westerns and I love weird ass Westerns. And uh, this yeah. is probably somewhere in between that. So there you go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Joe, what about you? What's your number six? We'll come yeah, back to The Power of the Dog. Yeah, my number six. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll come back to Power, uh, Power of the Dog for sure. Uh, my number six, though, is um, a movie that snuck up on me, and I had no reason to to have it on my list, but I enjoyed it. I'm I'm honestly pretty surprised um, our our group did not give it a little more love uh, come awards time, and that's Encanto. So, oh, okay. uh, speaking of musicals, okay. I I was I you know I I've not been I've you know my kids. Uh, are a little bit older. We're sort of off the Disney train, so to speak. 
Um, but I'm a girlfriend of some young kids and we went and saw it in Canto and I was just, <laughs> I was just kind of entranced by it. Um, I loved it. I loved the music. I, uh, the story was pretty fun. Um, there, there's a kind of a weird side bit with a guy living inside of this house and he's kind of hidden away, but yep. um, John Leguizamo voices Bruno and, and they have this whole song about, we don't talk about Bruno um, fun, a fun movie. It, and it's, you know, it, it kind of takes off. It's sort of a takeoff on, on the superhero movies. And, uh, in this case, it's like a family that all has special powers. They're not really superheroes necessarily, but they have kind of special gifts. Um, except for this one girl who kind of has, uh, as we find out her own gift, um, and it's kind of her little journey of, of finding, um, finding out what that is. So, um, it, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was gorgeous to look at. Um, it, it kind of, for me, it kind of recaptured some of the Disney magic, uh, for me. And, and, uh, I, I really enjoyed Encanto. Um, I didn't see Luca, uh, and, and also I'm, I'm going to mention my girlfriend one more time. Uh, this is not her podcast, but I talk about her an awful lot on it. You nerd. But, um, she was, she was absolutely incensed that this movie did not win best animated picture, uh, animated film of the year. And, and she had some choice words for, for, for us. For you. Yeah. For you. And I, I actually voted for it. So, um, I got off the hook there, but, um, but others did not. So she's, she's just like making all sorts of like wild boasts and threats about how she's going to <laughs> make us all pay for not voting for it. <laughs> I, what ended up winning? Was it flea? It was Flea, yeah, okay. and and Luca won runner up, and um, she was just like, "That movie sucks. I haven't seen it, but it sucks." And oh my lie. god! Why is she talking like a Twitter bro? <laughs> well, um, I mean, I'm so I'm putting words in her mouth. That's if she wants if she wants to come kick my ass, can I pick the Gail Kim move that she could do upon me? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll have to talk about that later. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I you know I so I saved all of these movies, Luca. And Canto, like all of the Ryan the Last Dragon, which I ended up, I actually saw that one, but I saved them all for when my daughter was visiting. And then we just never watched them. Mm -hmm. So I still haven't seen Luca or Encanto. I feel embarrassed that I haven't watched these, but I was waiting to watch them with my kid and it just didn't happen. That, we're, that's we're, how this stuff is happening. Yeah, we, we're all at that stage as far as planning. And well, I want to, you know, because they're like, there's certain things. Uh, Also, here's a tip, uh, listeners. When you're married or you're coupled with somebody, you, sometimes you just got to ask, even though 99.9% of the time you know what the answer is going to be, but you can just say, hey, I'm going to sit down and watch this. Now, in our case, it's for work purposes, right? but uh, but there are certain films you want to see as a duo, as a trio, mm-hmm. and you, you try. And 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 so that's that's kind of the the struggle is real for the uh, the doughy white guy film critics. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good pick, Joe. And yeah. Canto is yeah. your number six. Um, my number six, and uh, I will close out this episode. We'll pick up our fi- one through five on the next episode. And uh, my number six, and Matthew, I, I hope that you love me for this. Uh-oh. It's Summer of Soul or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised. Mm-hmm. We're going to end the episode now because it's higher on my list. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to talk about that. I'm excited to talk about uh, a whole bunch of stuff. We have a lot of fun uh, stuff planned for our top one through five. I'm really excited. That episode might go a little longer than this one. 
but I'll tell you this, uh, before we stop, and Matthew, I'm going to have you do this on the next episode too, but yes. um, uh, for this one, tell people where they can uh, hear what you're doing. Oh, God. Um, you can go to WFYI. Um, I, uh, I host a, 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 it's now a podcast, Film Sociology, that's S-O-C-E-Y-O-L-O-G-Y. Um, you can go to WFYI.org slash podcast, and that's where the show is. The shows are usually up Friday evenings, usually, Friday afternoon sometimes. Uh, we just, I'm just started in year, uh, God, 14 of the, of the film show. So happy about that. And of course, uh, the blues house party is Saturday nights at, uh, seven o'clock on WFYI or WFYI.org. Uh, I remember doing a whole evening devoted to summer of soul. I'll probably be doing some other ones. I, I'm happy to brag that the blues house party can now be heard on WBAA in Lafayette, um, oh. Saturday nights at nine o'clock. So hmm. between, uh, Franklin Wabash and ISU and the internet, the show's being heard throughout uh, the majority of the state. And I'm hoping that we can be statewide soon, but I'm, I'm happy to be on up in Lafayette. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anyway, that's where, that's where the film show is. That's where the blue show is. And solo moments, Sunday nights at six, Tuesday nights at eight, uh, where I, I, give snide comments to Steven Stolen's music choices. <laughs> <laughs> well, I live in Lafayette. So I get yeah. to listen to you now. This is great. Well, thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Anyways. And, and, hey, and hey, even if you don't live in Lafayette or Indianapolis, you still can listen, right? Absolutely. That's right. WFYI.org slash listen. Thank you, Joe Cheer. Yeah. And and unless you've changed something, you can find it on like Apple Podcasts. I know I listened to it on there before. It's all yeah, over so the place. You on, can find it. I Apple, yeah, Spotify, I guess all the stuff that my daughter kind of talks me through and says, this is how you do this. And uh, OK, fine. You know, my 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 top loading Betamax still blinks noon. So I'm behind technology wise. We got to we got awesome. to find a remote control so we can fix that. My, my 30 pound remote control for my yeah. 900 pound beta top loading Betamax. I'm surprised it wasn't used as a murder weapon on murder. She wrote. That's so funny. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and close this episode out. Thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, Thank you for listening, too, for you listeners. Uh, We will come back next week with our top one through five of 2021. Thank you, guys. All right, everybody, that is our show for this week. Uh, Again, next week. I will have Matthew and Joe back on. We're going to talk about our one through five. So this week we covered our six through 10. I hope you enjoyed those picks. Very excited. Uh, I feel like doing the thing where we wait until, you know, the next person uh, or like, you know, if I name a movie and it's on higher on someone's list, we wait until the highest point or whatever Uh, adds a little bit of suspense. I mean, we ended on one there. Come on. This is wild. Uh, Very excited to talk about those things, though. This should be a blast. So hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed the list. Uh, I've been, like I said, cramming like crazy, and it kind of feels good to be done with the cram. You know, like I'm kind of done. I don't want to change my list anymore. I've already, you know, put five of them just, you know, they're on the list. They're out there. They're done. And uh, I'm just going to keep my other five. Uh, as I said at the top of the show, at the top of the conversation with Joe and Matthew, <clears throat> I did cut uh, in and of itself only because one, I just wanted to sneak an extra title in there that I had seen that day. But two, 
I just, I don't know, I just wanted them all to be purely cinematic, but I strongly encourage you to go check out Derek Dagadio's uh, in and of itself on Hulu. I just find this performance and, and just the whole thing to be so incredibly moving. And uh, yeah, I just, uh, I really hope that you enjoy it too. Definitely go check it out. Uh, but you know what? That's really it. We broke an hour. That's a good thing. All right. So this is a bit of a, of a shorter episode for something like this, like a big list like this. But next week, we'll make up for it with our top five. And uh, I hope that you come listen to that as well. So I, I am going to stop rambling now and I'm going to let you all go. Thank you so much. I love you all so much. It means so much to me that you join us each and every week and that you uh, that you hang out with us and that you interact with us and all those things. So thank you so much. And for now, good night, good luck, and take it easy. <laughs>